Hey, greetings, sports fans, Catholic radio listeners. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and we're bringing you Two Guys and a Conversation, our weekly talk show on sports, and uh, Brad and I get together once a week and uh, share our thoughts on some of the regional sp- sporting events and college and anything we really want to talk about. So, Brad, uh, today's show, we got to start out talking a little bit of uh, high school basketball, particularly girls, and some big games. The Healing Crusader girls uh, are marching back to Des Moines. Yeah, huge game. Uh, first of all, let me start off with saying I spent a week in, uh, or part of a week in Phoenix. I come back to tape our show. I don't recognize the studio. We, we got an upgrade of equipment, uh, new new microphones. Hey, by the way, thank you to Brad and his team here at uh, Sterling Computer in North Sioux City. We have a pretty first-class looking uh, little uh, setup here. I mean, we could be on ESPN radio now, the way this thing looks. Yeah, we're getting big time. No thanks to me, just to the staff. But yeah, Very cool. Uh, anyway, we must have got another sponsor. Yeah. Something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Or, or five more listeners or something. Yeah, so uh, Healing Girls, what an exciting time of year. Unbelievable. Uh, state basketball, let's talk about that uh, district final game. Well, you know, the interesting thing is they're playing a tough Cherokee team that's actually – um, he's had a great season and fairly young. Um, and we talked a lot about Healing Girls basketball throughout the season, Brad. And as a former coach, we talked, now, how, how are you going to play Healing? Um, are you going to press them? And, and we both agreed. Pressing teams don't like to be pressed. Cherokee pressed them, gave us some problems. Um, number two, Cherokee shot the ball well. We didn't shoot free throws well. And we said shooting uh, ailments could sneak up on us if there's a team good enough to uh, to get up and down the floor. Yeah. So they shoot about uh, 50% uh, free throws, but mm-hmm. got to the line a lot. Yeah. Uh, Healand did. But uh, talk about uh, the two freshmen. How, well, how clutch were they? That is the story of this game. And really, it's an amazing story to think that um, in a regional final to go to state, you have two freshman guards come off the bench, score 12 points. Kenley Meese, Lauren Peck scores seven. But more importantly, it's when they did it, Brad, deep in the game. The game's going back and forth, and they each hit key three-pointers with just several minutes to go. That's just kind of unheard of. Yeah, so hats off to the coaches mm-hmm. uh, to put a freshman on the court and for that freshman to feel like they're entitled yeah. and they can take that shot. Right. Uh, that all comes back to coaching. It comes you, back you, to coaching. It also comes back to those two individuals putting time in. And I had a chance to talk to Coach Donaldson just a little bit this week after the game, and we talked about three-point shooting. You earn the right to miss. You earn the right to miss by being on the driveway because that makes you confident that if you're open, you know you're going to make it. And and when you hesitate and you're not certain, uh, that's not the person you want shooting it. And those two young freshmen stepped up in a big way. Yeah, so Kenley Meese with 12 points, uh, Lauren Peck with seven points from two freshmen. Uh, very unexpected. But uh, Coach Moody always used to tell me on your way to a state championship, you've got to have – some unsung player, some player uh-huh. step up and come through in a big moment, and uh, that happened the other night. Yeah, those are always great stories, and uh, that'll be one for the for the history to talk about. Now, the next step for Healing is the 3A tournament, and it uh, I had a, I ran into Coach Cool uh, just uh, last night or night before, and and he said, "Hey, it's wide open. Really, any team could win." But they really liked their chances in the first game against uh, Des Moines Christian. Yeah, I did a little bit of research, like I always like to do. Um, when it comes to state basketball, 
we always used to look across the state and and see who which teams made it to state and who they played because Healand plays larger schools. Mm-hmm. They they play SBL, they play East. So uh, I, I just looked at uh, Des Moines Christian. That's their first round matchup, and uh, they've got uh, five wins against three uh, or four A schools. Wow out of their 22. So 15 of their 22 wins came against 1A and 2A competition. Mm-hmm. So they play in a 2A conference. Um, Healand plays larger schools. So mm-hmm. let's let's hope that that's a, an indication that we'll probably be a little bit more athletic than what they're used to. We always, uh, that's always an advantage for the Healand Crusaders playing in, the, in a conference that's a 4A, 5A in girls, you know, with with all the schools at that level. And uh, that's got to pay dividends for us as we get down there. But speaking of East High, which beat the Healing Crusaders, I believe, once this year, and then Healing came back and beat them, who have a very, very talented uh, program. We have a D1 player. How do you like this, Brad? They go on the road to Dowling Catholic, who I believe is the third-rated team in the state of Iowa, which has one of the top five high school girl players in the country. And they go down and rally to beat them in the second half on their home court and East High is going to state. Yeah, that's great for East High. Yeah. Um, what, what an upset. I see just looking at the stats here, they held Dowling to uh, four points in the third quarter. Yeah. So they came out uh, third quarter in the second half overall kind of on fire. And that's what we've said, especially in girls basketball. If you get a little momentum on your side, it gets rolling. Yeah. And any underdog can get the momentum and be hard to start stop. Well, it sounds like they had a really, really good game plan. And so what they did is they just basically collapsed on uh, Dowling's top player. And uh, the, her last name, I believe, is Clark. It, it's, it's, um, it, I think that's who it is. And she was, you know, playing like a true player and kicking it out a lot. And they weren't knocking down the shots. And so it really worked in East's favor. And great coaching job over there um, uh, by uh, Coach uh, I think Drent is now the girls' coach. Was the Morningside baseball coach, and uh, you know he's he's going to build a solid program over there. And obviously, this is a big, big step for the East High program, the girls. So, congratulations to both the Healing Crusader girls and the East High Black Raider girls. So, it's going to be a fun, fun uh, little week to see what happens down there, Brad. Okay, so um, talking about uh, packing it in. And uh, I know you want to get to some of the Big Ten and Mm -hmm. and the referees in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did watch the entire Iowa-Michigan State game last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great game. Um, I talked to uh, Tim McCabe right before I left work. He called it. Um, It was going to be physical, and Iowa was going to get no calls down Mm -hmm. the stretch. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. And I think there's a bit of a trend, and I read this on a blog the other day, that uh, teams that are on the road in the Big Ten – are getting typically more fouls than the home team. Um, you know, and again, the question becomes the shark fight. Is the visiting team a little timid, not as aggressive, and therefore you're going to be, if you're not playing aggressive, Brad, you're more susceptible to critting fouls. But last night's game, you know, Izzo was going crazy from the start of the game. Cra- crazy. And in fact, one of the officials early in the game told him to shut up. Said, you know, stop it. But, but they didn't tee him up. Um, and... You know, that wears, uh, as I have said before, coaches are coaches, players are players, and referees are referees. A critical part of the game is how you deal with referees. It just is. Then your team has to adapt. And Michigan State, uh, they won that game. Yeah. It, well, the strategy, you could tell from Izzo's halftime uh, conversation where he said, 
we're just getting called with a bunch of touch fouls. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted it to be physical. Mm-hmm. They packed it in. They were super physical with Garza down the stretch. Garza yep. couldn't get a good look, right. you know, battling away, and uh, which, which required somebody else from Iowa to step up, make some outside shots. They didn't come. They just didn't come late, in a timely basis. Late in the game, they had turnovers, and then they did knock down shots. They had a 10-point lead in the second half, right? Yeah. At one point. So Yeah, just a costly turnovers. Uh, Michigan hits the deep three from the top of the key yeah. when it was a two-point game, I yeah. think, late in the game. And yeah. Iowa comes down, misses a shot. You know, then two goes to five, goes to seven. And, right. And then it was time to foul. Well, the encouraging thing that we're seeing in this uh, stretch of games, the last three games, is that support players such as Kreener, Connor McCafferty, uh, Bakari Evelyn, uh, even uh, Pemsel are all starting to contribute offensively. And that last night, Connor McCafferty was fantastic. He is, and and, and this was a national uh, basketball analyst said he is the glue uh, and one of the top glue guys in the country. I totally agree. He had seven yeah. assists, no turnovers again last night. Leads the nation in assist to turnover ratio. A vastly underappreciated stat. Yeah, and he rebounds. He plays hard. Yes. Uh, in the first half, he he was offensive, mm-hmm. making his little floaters. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they, you know, they certainly missed some of the offensive power that wasn't playing that game. Um, the the announcer said that they thought that it looked like a tournament game, you know, with the uh, the fans were right, crazy, right. very physical. I agree. I think that Michigan and uh, or Michigan State and Iowa are probably one of those two teams going to be in the Elite Eight, in my yeah, opinion. Let's, let's hope so. Hey, uh, we'll talk more Big Ten hoops here in just a minute after the break on Two Guys in the Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And uh, this part of our show is called Brad and Steve's Room of Knowledge. And uh, we just kind of have a, a, a spattering of, of sports topics we typically talk about. And of course, during the football season, it was all Big Ten football. But uh, Brad, in, our, in the first part of our show, we kind of ended talking a little Iowa and Michigan State basketball. But I want to continue our conversation a little bit on Big Ten hoops and what you think, how many teams are going to get in the tournament. Um, and um, also just a little bit about um, uh, who's playing the best as far as individuals and uh, and what do we think is going to happen in the Big Ten tournament. So uh, I'm going to start by saying I think the Big Ten right now is setting at nine or ten teams going to the dance. Yeah, if you look at 10th place, that's Ohio State. They're ranked 23rd. And they're uh, eighteen and nine. Yeah, that's the tenth place team in the yeah, Big crazy. Ten. So I, I think for sure 10, 10 will make it, unless there's an upset down there in the bottom someplace, which I I don't see. Easily ten. Well, that's what the experts are saying yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, I think that they, at one time they were saying eleven. I think it's now down to ten. And we just were talking off air that Iowa was going into the Michigan State game in a log jam at second. And their loss last night dropped them to sixth. That's how tight it is in the Big Ten. So there's a a lot of games to be played here down the stretch. As far as individual players in the Big Ten, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of games. And, of course, Cassius Winston is a special player. And he had 19 in the second half last night. I think Luca Garza is having arguably maybe the best year in the Big Ten. He's right there. A lot of uh, attention as National Player of the Year. Um, I think those two guys are the head of the class now. Um, the, the Cowan guard at Maryland's been very, very, very good. Um, and, and I think, uh, from there, it's kind of, everybody seems to fall in line as far as 
players that are up and down. Wieskamp at one time was looking all Big Ten, and he's only averaged about two points the last three games because he's really getting shut down. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Winston, is he a senior? Yeah. It seems like he's been there for 10 I know, years. I know. He's he's physical. He's tough. He can shoot, take it to the basket, comes up with big plays. Yeah. Really impressed. I've watched, uh, because there's not much to watch from my Huskers, I've been watching a lot of Iowa basketball. Yeah. Garza is really impressive. He He's a tough kid, and he's – He's, his motor's going all the time. Very I mean, he's moving towards the basket. Yeah. He's getting rebounds, putbacks. He's a big physical guy, very emotional guy. So uh, I, I like Garza a lot yeah. for Big Ten Player of the Year, if not National Player yeah, of the Year. Well, you can see what happens when you do things right fundamentally because there's there's no way he's more athletic than anybody plays against him. He's bigger, strong, uh, but he's worked at it. They told the stories of going to Hawaii and, and working out with his dad's former college coach running the, the mountains and just – trying to transform his body so he can get up and down. But he does things so well fundamentally. Yeah. A reverse pivot uh, shot like McHale used to have. And so he's he's been a pleasure to watch this year. That, yeah, and you can't, sure. you can't camp on one side. No. He'll go both ways. He, he has multiple ways to score. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it'll see how Iowa finishes is, is, is probably going to dictate whether he can have a shot at that national player of the year. But he's certainly going to get All-American considerations. So. Yeah, and then is he back or is he gone? His dad said he's coming back. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Why wouldn't you? You know, Bohannon back, him back. It, it, right. What right. about Wieskamp? What's well, Wieskamp's not ready for the NBA. Yeah. I, I, there's no way. Yeah, but what is he a junior? He's a sophomore. Sophomore. Yeah, so they've got a great nucleus yeah. coming back. Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. he come back? Yeah. Yeah. Wieskamp is, is, has to transform his body a little bit and become a little bit more physical so that he can rise up through traffic a little bit more. I mean, he's a great catch and shoot player and, and a great player, but you're seeing what's happened now when he's getting shut down physically, real physical defense on him. And, and uh, he's got to figure out different ways to, uh, to, to score for the Iowa. Uh, Cause they can't, they can't win without him. That's, that's, uh, that's for sure. So uh big 10 tournament coming up. Uh, the favorites probably going to have to be um, Maryland going in. Um, Michigan State's right there. Um, Wisconsin is kind of trending. Penn State's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, Purdue's dangerous. I mean, they've beaten some top teams by 25 points, and then they turn around and lay an egg. So it depends on how they shoot. Um, you know, Illinois is dangerous. Ohio State's playing better right now. It's kind of crazy, yeah. Brad. Michigan. Michigan's five, five on the rise again. Well, they got their guy back. See, they were talking about – uh, having uh, 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 Livers, I think is his name, who's a three-point shooter, and they were showing a diagram. I think Dakish might have been uh, last night showing how much difference he makes on the floor by spreading it. When you create those gaps, we talked about it. He's a he has extensive range. His presence on the floor opens up the driving lanes. Michigan's a different team with him just being on the floor. Plus, he knocks down shots. So yeah. that'll be fun. Going to be an interesting ride. Um, I wanted to chat with you just for a second, too. Tim McCabe, who is the uh, father of Zach McCabe, former Iowa player, when Zach was playing at Iowa and we were watching like Michigan State um, in these battles, especially the Big Ten Conference Tournament, I was there one time. What Iowa lacked, in my opinion, is what I have called multiple times an asphalt guard. And a kid that's grown up in a different part of the country that's played in a tougher uh uh, you know, arena, uh, maybe the Rucker Parks, you know, and Joe Toussaint from Iowa gives him that. Now he's a freshman, but I like how he plays Brad. And I think he is a critical part of why Iowa is better this year too. Yeah, I agree. You need that tough. Every final four team seems to have that guard. That's just tough as nails, mm -hmm. 
it doesn't matter how closely guarded he is, he's mm-hmm. going to find a way to score. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who's a kid from uh, Wisconsin? I was just trying to find his name. Trice or Davidson? Davidson. Right? Davidson's the off guard that's tougher than nails. Yes. And, and uh, actually, they put, put one of the reasons they put the flop rule in was because he took so many charges last year at Wisconsin. But I'll tell you what, he's a gamer. And uh, here's a little tidbit about Davidson. He was a, his sister was a teammate of Brittany Donaldson's at UNI. So okay. Jeff uh, Donaldson knows the, the Davidson family. He said they're great family. Yeah, so I just watched the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. I was there for that. I think he had 28 points. Yeah. Every one of them closely guarded. He, yeah. he just kept stepping back further yeah. and further. You know, and, and he's on the ground, he's he's getting loose balls, he's playing great defense, and it kind of sneaks up on you. You don't yeah. really realize he had 28 points. Right. I look up, you know, late in the game, he's got 26. And yeah, he's a yeah, great player. Fun to watch. Wisconsin's just so darn solid. So trending in the NCA, we talked last week, who I really like. I love Kansas still. Obviously beat Baylor down there. I love them because they play defense, and they've got guys that are stepping up making shots. Isaiah Moss, the kid that transferred over from Iowa, he was a little bit in the doghouse early and was coming off the bench. He's starting now. He's playing at an elite level. And you know why, Brad? He's playing defense better than he ever has. If you watch him, he's more aggressive. He's uh has a great feel of what his role is. I mean, he's capable of hitting 20 on a night, but he's comfortable getting six. And he's been a big, big help for them because he creates space once again with the shooting. Yeah. Yeah, so looking at the uh, uh, NCAA, you know, the power rankings on uh, ESPN.com, they've got Michigan State all the way up at number four. Oh, yeah. They look like it last year. Yeah, yeah. I I was really impressed, but uh, Duke's still hanging in there at number two. Not buying it. Not buying it. You know, they've lost a couple big ones, as you said, here recently. No, I don't like them. I don't like their uh, body language. They got destroyed in North Carolina State, and and that I don't care. If you're a good team— you don't get beat like that. And they lost in double overtime to a pretty weak Wake Forest team last night. So I have some real doubts about them. Who I do like trending up uh, as a blue blood is Kentucky. They're starting to find it's some outside presence. Their guard plays as good as anybody as far as defense. Um, but the the shooter had eight threes last night in their game. And their inside guy, uh, who's now a junior, um, he's playing as good as good as any big guy in the country. They're going to be a tough out. Yeah. So if you look at the power rankings, they've got uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan. Uh, let's see. Even Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, all up in the top 25. It's because so, of the conference. Um, yeah. The strength of schedule, um, hardest hardest schedule in the United States at Purdue. Yeah. At 14-14. So maybe if Purdue uh, gets a winning record and does well in the Big Ten tournament, they Slide sneak in, in yeah. as, they've had some as huge, number 11. They've had some huge wins, huge wins. So that doesn't surprise me. Well, golly, we'll have a lot to talk about the next couple of weeks as to, as the way this season unfolds and then the Big Ten tournament coming up. So uh, we'll catch everyone here after the break and 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 uh, uh, on our last section of Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in the Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And uh, it's that time of season where we're just chatting a lot of basketball. And locally, the uh, the GPAC tournament uh, heats up tonight, Brad, and uh, number one ranked Morningside uh, hosting, I believe, Hastings tonight. I, I haven't verified that. I think be- Saturday I was d- talking, actually, with uh, – Coach Sykes a little bit, um, and I think that's who they were planning yeah, on Yeah, Hastings playing. at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, so good. 
Um, Morningside's had a great, great season. I actually uh, drove up Saturday uh, to Orange City to watch their uh, their final performance and tune up. And uh, man, they're hitting on all cylinders. And it looked like the emphasis on Morningside's um, uh, game right now was really moving the basketball inside out and really getting their shooters going. And, uh, you know, they've got a, a wealth of guys that can knock it down. Everybody's shooting the ball well. Uh, their inside duo of uh, Borchards and Brown is as good as anybody in NAI. So they're, I think they're set to, to make a nice finish to the season in the GPAC tournament and then to get ready for that national run. Yeah, so they win their last two, uh, boy, boy, girl, or men, women, doubleheader, uh, both the men and the women. Uh, win the last two games versus uh, Jamestown and Northwestern women also in the GPAC tournament. Um, so Mustangs, re- you know, they rebounded pretty good from the uh, from the two recent losses. Yeah, so let's yeah. hope it lit a fire for them. I think that's probably an okay thing. I think they might have needed that, um, you know, heading in and, and just to look at where their weaknesses are at so they can be ready for anything. I uh, want to do a little shout out to Jackson Lamb over at Briar Cliff, who was the leading scorer in the GPAC this year at 23 points per game and unfortunately had an off-court little uh, injury where he uh, hurt himself pretty severely in, in his hand and his basketball career has come to an end. Uh, although I think Briar Cliff may not have made the GPAC tournament anyway, but what an outstanding career that guy had. And I've watched him play twice and had 100 threes this year. Um, uh, 100 for 250, shot 40% from three. With that many lifts, that is an outstanding shooting percentage. Yeah, you know, what a career he's had, and too bad it uh, ended like that. Let's hope that uh, he has a speedy recovery. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, let's hope it doesn't affect his golf, because uh, all great basketball players are great golfers. So Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and a couple other things. I uh, got some intel on uh, from the Morningside coaches, and 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 uh, it's interesting how they network and talk about their recruiting. And uh, Morningside's got a pretty uh, pretty exciting class coming in next year. They're very high on it. They've got some great returning guys. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. They may not drop off as much as you would think losing all those seniors, Brad. It seems that they never do. Yeah. You know? So they uh, they recruit well, and there's there's some rumors that they might get an actual transfer. So we'll see what happens in the off season. But I'm. Pretty excited, and Trent Miller, who is uh, now the the co head coach at Morningside, former Morningside player from uh, Gretna in the Omaha area, he's been an absolute uh, just perfect fit to Coach Sykes. Um, the team chemistry is outstanding. He's a great communicator. Uh, everybody seems extremely bought in in their roles, and he's an outstanding recruiter. And so. Uh, it's going to pay major dividends for Morningside. Yeah, a little shout out to the uh, Morningside golf team. They were in San Antonio and finished third out of 16 teams. Mm-hmm. Recently, a couple local Siouxland athletes, uh, Connor Prescott and Tyler Danke, uh did well um, finishing up near the top. So a uh, great tournament, great start yeah, for that's, Morningside that's golf. That's great to see those local guys doing well. and. Uh, the Danke family is a tremendous uh, Morningside supporters. I don't know if you know them at all, but they're at every basketball game, and they're a blast. And they know the game well, both Mr. and Mrs. Danke. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of fun. Well, Jody works here for me, and uh, Brad's in the industry, works right across the street. Oh, so that's great. I see him often. Good stuff. Well, listen, uh, let's shift gears just a little bit. Uh, I want to talk to you, Brad, about this LeBron James 
and Zion matchup last night. Um, you know, Zion is the is the new image potentially of the NBA of the future. And there's some other young guys around the NBA. I'm not going to name any of the names that are that are pretty darn good players. But what I found out listening on the radio today is when LeBron is matched up with all, one of these next next superstars to be the anointed one to maybe take his place, he has completely dominated him. Last night he had 40, a season high, but his five or six highest scoring outputs during the season have all been against these individual superstar type players. So he's kind of he's got it in the tank still, and he's and he's been doing double doubles and even a, a triple double with assists and points, and just just to show him, hey, I'm still the king. Yeah, he is the king. You know, Zion didn't do uh, too poorly. Twenty nine points. Yeah. yeah. Um, got to the free throw line a lot, but yeah. uh, rumor is I, I don't follow a lot of NBA, but uh, rumor is is that Zion uh, is a little overweight. They're they're wanting him to get below three hundred pounds. Yeah. He's he's a big dude, yeah, but he's uh, maybe he needs explosive. to get a little quicker. Yeah, yeah. Charles Barkley Barkley probably carried as much weight as anybody effectively, and I, that's the Zion where he's got to figure out that magical uh, weight to keep him healthy. Number number one. So uh, and speaking of athletes that are big physical or explosive and a little bit overweight. I'm going to shift gears on you, Brad, to Miguel Sano, the power hitting baseball player of the twins. Rumor has it he's lost over 35 pounds. Well, and, we, we talked about uh, Phil Mickelson and his weight loss. And, you know, sometimes those athletes are, uh, they're, they're in their sweet spot mm -hmm. when, when they've got a little weight and it, they change their body composition and uh, it, not always positive results. So we'll follow that. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, We'll see um, how Phil does with this uh, uh, weight change. Um, you know, I, I thought he looked great. I, I don't know if it was, it was Pebble. I think it was Pebble Beach yeah, at the tournament we talked about it. I thought he looked great. I think he's ready for the Masters. I'm really, and you and I chatted a little bit about this before. I'm really hoping Tiger plays well, Phil plays well, and then the rest of the gang, you know, whoever that is. But those are my two that I'm always still pulling for at the Masters. Yeah, everybody pulls for Tiger at the Masters right now. Uh, Rory's the favorite. Tiger Woods second at twelve to one. Then we got Kepka, uh, Cameron Champ. Um, mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> not not sure who he or Neiman are, but they're they're up there. But uh, Dustin Johnson, Bruce Kepka, Tiger Woods, more yeah. Rory McIlroy are the uh, odds-on favorites. So uh, is, is, is Freddie? I wonder how healthy Freddie is. You know, it seems like every other year, Freddie is kind of in the running the first uh, two rounds, you know, Freddie Couples. And uh, gosh dang it, you just think, man, does he have any capabilities of competing all four days at that Masters? Well, so the problem with the, uh, you know, the senior players at the, the Masters, any major tournament is you go, you throw in the practice rounds yeah. and then you throw in the four competitive rounds. It's how... How well does their body hold up? And the deal with Freddie is that he's got such a free-flowing, smooth yeah. swing that uh, you know it doesn't take its toll right. on him. Right. And you got to know your way around the greens. He's he's very good putter, but he's got such soft hands and good feel. So that's why he does so well. And and he is always in contention there yeah. until the weekend. Makes a cut and he's in contention. So, so could you imagine how crazy it'd be if he was? Oh, there at oh, the end. Oh, I know. I, I, I kind of, I, I dream about that, that how fun that would be. But I have a, a point to make on that. And I've never been to Augusta and you have. And what people tell us is the elevation is dramatically different than what it looks like on TV. And I wonder how much of a toll it takes on the older players that walking up those hills. Um, you know, it's got to fatigue you a little bit. 
Yeah. So yeah, the elevation, <laughs> it, you can't see it on TV. TV doesn't do it justice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it is, uh, quite a walk, but you know, I think they, they work up to it. Golf shoes are a heck of a lot better than they used to be. Um, yeah, it's, if you haven't been, I suggest everyone to go once, go Friday, go uh, Thursday, Friday, mm -hmm. fly home Friday night so you can watch it on TV yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. That's what I've heard before. So someday, that's the bucket list. I want to go to the Ryder Cup sometime. I want to go to the Masters, um, you know, as far as being a golf fan. Well, we'll talk more golf and preparation for the Masters, more Big Ten basketball, more NCAA basketball, and a little bit of uh, girls uh, update on our next show, Brad. And I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Steve Ferguson, along with Brad Moore, signing off from Two Guys in a Conversation.